Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. On the Sideline, a podcast for coaches and aspiring coaches, where we share the best practices of coaching, interview with coaches, and experts in the field of coach education. Here's your host, Vin Blaine. Welcome to another episode of On the Sideline. I'm your host, Vin Blaine. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Dan Gasper, the president of Star Goalkeeper Academy. Dan has worked on four different continents, including being a part of the Portugal national team coaching staff for the 2010 South Africa World Cup, as well as Iran's national team for the 2014 Brazil World Cup. Hey, Dan, it's indeed a pleasure to have you on the sideline. Well, I'm grateful for this opportunity, Vin, and thank you uh, for allowing me to share my, my expertise and my experiences with your listeners. I've been admiring your work for a long time. I've seen your name so often, and almost every time I go on, on, on any site, I'm seeing Dan Gasper. And I just decided, boy, who better to talk to about goalkeeping than you? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All righty. So I want to start off first by asking you to qualify the role of a goalkeeper coach. Well, there are several different aspects that I'd like to break down for your listeners. First, it's the coach-goalkeeper partnership, which is always very special and essential. And the sort of things that I focus on in regarding that partnership is open dialogue, you know, cooperation, uh, and motivation. That's really essential in those types of relationships. You want to master technique. The earlier you get the goalkeeper, the better it is to establish solid habits because it takes many repetitions to develop good habits, but it takes many, many more to break a bad habit. We want to establish goals. What are their targets? What's their missions? What's their dreams? What's their aspirations? Uh, we want to talk about mental conditioning. And you know, Vin, as well as I do, that Making the correct decisions is crucial to the success or failures of a goalkeeper. You want to certainly hit on reducing the size of the goal, which is angle play, making sure the goalkeeper has good dynamic stability, able to move right, left, forward, and backwards. And of course, having the proper uh, warm up and cool downs. And also, in this type of relationship, it's crucial that you establish proper training ethics. That's so important. The next phase is a goalkeeper coach and head coach, you know, and that's a different aspect of that interaction. You want to make sure there's harmony between you and the team and the coach. The communication and the coordination is clear, that there's good cooperation, because you want to understand what is the focus, what is the theme of the team, mm -hmm. and then the goalkeeper coach should plan their sessions uh, regarded, regarding that conversation. Lastly, Lastly, the best goalkeeper coach, in my opinion, is the game. So the goalkeeper has to be engaged and integrated into the game because ultimately that's where they're going to be judged. And in the game, you have the decision-making process, the distribution, the communication, um, 
I like to try to stress on the goalkeeper dance, the rhythms of the match, Vin. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're playing against a very direct, powerful, uh, where, where the physicality of the game, the goalkeeper has to be in that rhythm. If you're playing against a Jamaican side mm -hmm. with all that sugar and spice mm -hmm. and all that high <laughs> level of skill, yes. you know, you better make sure you don't have space behind you because that will be fatal because they have the skill set under pressure to deliver. So those are the three ways that I break down uh, the goalkeeper coach and his responsibility or her responsibility. Good. And now that you mentioned Jamaica in your, in your talk just now, I want the listeners to know that you have a connection with Jamaica. Can you tell me what connection you have with Jamaica? I'm very fond of Jamaica. When I was the head coach at University of Hartford, I went there on uh, several recruiting trips. Uh, Jackie Walters, was uh, instrumental in, in that process. Also, I coached in the USL, which is the professional team here in Connecticut Wolves, and I had a number of Jamaican players, Patrick Beach, uh, Dean Sewell, uh, Winston Griffiths. Was, uh, Winston Fana Griffiths. Fana, yeah, Fana. <laughs> so, you know, I have a, a, a deep appreciation yes. for the Jamaican athleticism and also for their skill set. What I was surprised when I went to Jamaica to recruit is how, how physical the game is. Most mm -hmm. of the uh, impression of Jamaican soccer is just all about the sugar and spice and, you know, all about the, the, the magical relationship they have with the, with the ball. But they also go in hard on tackle. Very, very you know? hard. They also win. So it, they have the combination of the two. Really enjoyed my time in Jamaica and also coaching Jamaican players. Great, great, great to know, man. Great to know. All right, let's get back to your, what you are just saying. You mentioned... One thing that I want to ask, ask you about, the goalkeeper-coach-head coach relationship. Yes. From your experience, do you think that the goalkeeper-coach should be the one who selects the starting goalkeeper for a game? The starting position? Yeah. I think it has to be a decision that's made between the two. Okay. I think the goalkeeper's responsibility is if he's doing his job, setting up a profile, doing video assessments, um, reporting to the head coach, on, uh, you know, the, the mental aspects, the physical aspects, the emotional aspects um, of the goalkeeper and having that discussion with the head coach. And then the goalkeeper coach offers a suggestion on who should be number one. At the end of the day, the head coach is responsible for all activities of the, of the team, both on and off the field. And ultimately, it's his decision. In my experience, Oftentimes, the goalkeeper coach's suggestion is also of the same opinion of the head coach. Okay. All righty. I'm trying to get certain questions out of the way before I let you run with your expertise. And another question I'm asking you. I myself have a pet peeve when I watch goalkeepers being coached. There's a distinct difference to me between goalkeeper trainers and goalkeeper coach. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I've seen people say they're goalkeeper coach. And when I observe them, they are just goalkeeper trainers. Can you make yeah. the distinction for you, please? Yes, I mean, there certainly is a difference. A goalkeeper trainer is really putting the goalkeeper through paces, high intensity, and that anyone can do. I mean, you could bury your goalkeeper in, in a minute and he'll be crawling off or she'll be crawling off the pitch. But that doesn't maximize their development. That doesn't maximize their potential. Mm -hmm. The goalkeeper coach has to incorporate and engage the goalkeeper with the game and the demands of the game. They have to be a mentor. They have to nurture. They have to guide. They have to be a student of the game, not only in the position, but of all positions and also 
the game itself. So a coach comes, a goalkeeper coach is more of a mentor. It's more someone who's guiding their goalkeeper through successes with the realistic demands of the game. That explains very well for me because I've always had a problem with seeing people calling themselves goalkeeper coaches and I'm not seeing them correcting any technique. There's no tactical um, aspect to the, to the coaching. Their starting position is wrong. And that's what I want to go to next. How important is your starting position in goalkeeping? It's crucial, Vin. Um, for me, there's two positions. There's a starting position mm -hmm. and there's a saving position. Mm -hmm. The starting position is what the field player sees. The field player will take a mental picture of the goalkeeper where he is or where she is in the goal, have that imprint in their brain. Then they focus on the ball. They draw their leg back and they strike the ball. Now, what a good quality goalkeeper does is presents that starting position. But as the players prepare to execute a strike of the ball, when you look, the head drops, the arms are out, the leg is drawn back to strike the ball. That's when the, the goalkeeper steps forward and then gets set. Because anytime you can get closer to the ball, the more you reduce the size of the goal. I mean, this is an interesting fact. The goal is the same size size no matter where you go around the world but how a position how a goalkeeper positions himself in that goal will determine what the field player sees if i was to line up soccer balls on the goal line then and then another row another row another row and i looked at the goal and i saw a solid wall of soccer balls your listeners would be surprised to know there's 364 balls that fit within the frame of the goal and you're going to say well you know, Dan, why is that important? That means if there's no goalkeeper and if you're at the penalty spot, then you have 364 trajectories into that goal. Now, as soon as I step into the goal, depending on my size and depending on that position, I begin to reduce those shooting trajectories into the goal. So starting position, good equal distribution of weight. Your feet should not be shoulder than not wider than the shoulder. Should not be wider than your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Your hands should be at waist height so that you're fifty percent in position to save whether it's high balls, medium balls, or, or low balls. And but, then but, you get into your setting position. It's critically important that the goalkeeper is not in motion as they're striking the ball, because if you're leaning towards one side to the other. At the highest levels, the goal scorers, the shooters will read that. So you have to have that equal distribution of weight, which is fundamentally important. Listen to this. This is really crucial. You're far better off being out of position and in balance than being in position and off balance. Okay. That's, that's, that, sounds, that sounds very important. I know this will be reaching young goalkeepers. One of the observations from me, and I wanted to talk about if it's important, but I think it's important, I wanted them to hear it from you, if, if it is important. Even when they're in their starting position and, you're, and the ball is coming towards, and they're going to be jumping, I have noticed that a lot of goalkeepers swing their arms back first and then come up to jump. Isn't that a, a negative approach? Yeah. In my opinion, if the ball is above your head, mm -hmm. to get maximum vertical jump, there's certain things that need to occur. First, your weight goes from your heel to your toes, mm -hmm. your knee lift, your arm swing, and your chin lift all have to be in harmony, in sync, to catch the ball above your head at the highest point. Mm -hmm. Extremely important. It's, you know, if, if your listeners, for those who have played basketball, if you're sprinting down court and you want to lay the ball up into the basket, 
you don't want to build all this speed and power momentum and then stop and jump off with two feet. You want to create the energy and elevate to the basket, jumping off of one foot, landing with two feet. Yes, I see. I have a question for you, but I, I, I'm, I'm leading up to it. Okay. Right? As a goalkeeper coach, an expert in goalkeeper coaching, and first of all, I let the listeners know that you are the president of Star Goalkeeper Academy. You, you can sign up with Star Goalkeeper Academy, and you get all the goalkeeping facts and information that you need there. All right, so now, now uh, Dan, can you, if it's, I don't know if it's a difficult question, but can you tell me, for, to a young coach, what are some of the things that coaches should be looking for when they are starting to coach a goalkeeper or they're starting their, their journey as a goalkeeping coach? You know, Vin, um, I've been very blessed. I've been very fortunate because I've been surrounded by people who believed in me, had confidence in me. They trusted my abilities. They gave me, you know, opportunities to learn and to grow. So the number one point that I would make anyone who wants to aspire to be a goalkeeper coach or field player coach is to realize and be humble enough that you can't do it alone. You know, I've always been taught to learn to be humble and to respect the people that are speaking to me. And I always try to come away with something from that discussion or that training session that I observed. You know, a, a quick story. My father was a professional goalkeeper and... Mm. He was my best mentor, my best coach, my hero, my best friend. Unfortunately, he left a few years ago. But anytime I speak or train, it's always a tribute to him and the passion and the love that he shared with me about our beautiful game. I was born in Hartford, Connecticut, and we had a park called Colts Park. My dad would take me down there, set the balls up on the penalty spot, and he would strike balls to me, and I would catch old school training, right? Hardcore. Uh, one day he struck all the balls and I let them all in. And he said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Um, he said, well, let's do it again. <laughs> Put all the balls back on the penalty spot. Ollie mm -hmm. the balls towards me and I let them all in. He comes up and he says, son, what's wrong? And I pause for a few seconds and I said, you know, dad, you can't score on me unless I want you to score on me. He said, really? He packed up the balls, put them in the bag. He drove away. It took me an hour and 20 minutes to walk alone. And you know, and you know, Vin, he never, never trained me again. Oh, Lord. And that was a hard lesson about humility. I allowed my arrogance mm -hmm. um, to interfere with his teachings. And so from that point on, I, I learned, you know, how to respect people. But you got to be passionate. You got to be a student of the game. You know, try to secure as many coaching licenses. What I've done over my lifetime is I've taken the best or I've taken what I feel are the best for me and I've left the rest behind. And then I add my own personality and my own creativity and my own imagination. And once again, it's about the people you surround yourself. It's having good mentors. And I've been very blessed to have those people around me. Keep dreaming. Keep as uh, having aspirations. Don't listen to the experts. If I listen to the experts... I wouldn't have attended, I wouldn't have achieved um, the successes that I did, in, especially in the international arena. Yeah. I hear your approach to, as a young goalkeeper coach, and your experience, and I like the fact that you, you talk about the arrogance, because you have never stopped learning. And I like the fact that you talk about, you should have mentors or somebody you look up to and learn from them. Now that we are there, this is a question that a lot of people have been going around because, you know, the, goal, the goalkeepers nowadays and the Ederson, ah, they have um, those goalkeepers. They are almost like keeper sweepers, right? What are some of the qualities you think that modern goalkeepers have now? Well, first of all, they have to be as confident 
with their feet as they are with their hands. They have to be a, a soccer player first in today's modern goalkeeping because so oftentimes, depending on the style of play of the team, the goalkeeper initiates the attack. A good save to me is a goalkeeper who makes the save and keeps possession for the team. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the reflection of the style of play of the team that they're playing for. So the primary difference is their skill set with their feet, becoming a student of the game, especially tactically, to really understand when to hold, when to attack, what spaces they should serve into. They have to have the confidence to come off their line further than they ever had in the past. And this takes training. And that's why it's so important that they're incorporated and that they're engaged and that they're in sync with the team that they play for. Um, for me, that is the biggest difference. When they instituted the, uh, the back pass law, that changed the position. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you can tell. And this is why, you know, if you're, if you're a good goalkeeper between the sticks, but you have no use outside, you'll probably be passed over by, by coaches to come into their teams, huh? Absolutely. In fact, those young goalkeepers who aspire to be professional goalkeepers and want to go outside of their country to Europe, South America, or whatever that may be, before you're even in goal, they're starting off with 4v2s, 5v3s, and you have to demonstrate that you have solid field skills. So they have to respect you as a field player first before you even step into goal. All the years you have been coaching, Dan, this might be an unfair question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. All the goalkeepers you have worked with, tell me the ones that you prefer to work with at the time. That is a challenging question. <laughs> I do get that often. Yeah? And I never reply with just one goalkeeper because right. I have yet, in all the years that I've trained, I have yet to train the perfect goalkeeper. And I've trained many, both genders from youth to world-class goalkeepers, but there are a few that I'd like to share with you, and I wish I could take a, a piece of each one and you know mold them into the greatest goalkeeper of all times. But Beto was a goalkeeper that I trained um, who had a, a, a fabulous career, played for the Portuguese national team and, and uh, Porto as well, and went on to play in some major clubs in, in Spain. He didn't have the stature that the ideal goalkeeper or at least what is perceived to be the idea. He was maybe 5'10", but his competitiveness was intense, which allowed him to have a very good career. Victor Bahia, when I trained him, he was number one in Europe, in the top 10 in the world. He had this incredible class and presence about him, which gave him a, a long career and turned him into a legend. One of the goalkeepers, or actually of all professional players, winning more trophies and championships than the majority of field players and goalkeepers. And he played for Porto and played for Real Madrid and also played uh, for the Portuguese national team. Eduardo, who played for the Portuguese national team, played for Braga. And I was with him in the World Cup for Portugal in 2010 in South Africa. Incredible determination, incredible competitiveness. His work ethic was off the charts. I worked with Moreira, who was a young goalkeeper for Befica. In fact, he was the same age as Casillas was for Real Madrid. And I caught him at a moment where he was a sponge. He was open to ideas and concepts and really uh, willing to experiment. Ricardo, you know, also played for Spartan and a Portuguese national team and 
had a tremendous career. He was the best field player of all the goalkeepers I trained. And that's why against England, where he saved the penalty kick, that was a goalkeeper who took his gloves off and then went to the penalty spot and scored the penalty kick. And he was able to do that because of his field player skills. He was able to read the body language of field players. Um, Ito from Japan, you know, just great discipline. Some American keepers like Tim Howard. I trained him with the U-17 national Mm. team. Great athlete. Very good basketball player. Lucky for us, he decided to to be a goalkeeper. Tony Miola, also a great baseball player, decided to be a goalkeeper. He had tremendous presence and communication skills. You know, Ali Reza Bedavan, more recently, who plays for the Iran national team, was a goalkeeper who saved penalty kick against Ronaldo. He is the best athlete that I've trained. He was six foot five, but he played like he was five foot six. So there's just a number, and I've worked with some female goalkeepers like Kim White and, and um, uh, Kim Maslin, were just outstanding female goalkeepers back in the early 90s. And they were real pioneers who carried the torch for those who are achieving and receiving the benefits and the success. So I wish I could take, then a piece of each goalkeeper that I have had the fortunate ability or the opportunity to train. That, that is, I, I understand that. You put them together, you have one fantastic goalkeeper. Because <laughs> <laughs> all have special qualities. Now, I want to lead into a question. that I want you to go in depth on this one part of the game for me. I, I was watching you do an interview. I don't know how long ago it was, but I thought it was interesting because I find that to be a problem also. And it's about keeper, keepers catching the ball. You know, uh, you asked me that question and my blood pressure just went through the roof. <laughs> and, my, and, and my heart is, is racing. You know, I've been back home now. Home for me is Connecticut uh, here in the United States. And I've been back home uh, for about two years uh, my international journey kept me at the highest levels. And now that I've been back home, I've traveled uh, the state, and I have a, a big concern, and that is the art of catching is disappearing. And what I mean by that, then, is right now we're producing shot stoppers, blockers, deflectors, punchers. And when they're executing their saves, they're getting complimented and referred to as great saves. And yes, you know, there are uh, shots that you cannot ha- uh, take the risk of catching because it'll present um, the fear of making a mistake and conceding a goal. But it's just happening too often. I believe that a goalkeeper shouldn't be a robot. He shouldn't be as hard as a wall. Because when you throw the ball off the wall, it comes back just as hard. Our bodies have to be supple. They have to be agile. They have to be flexible to receive the ball. Our bodies should receive and shape the ball. It isn't just catching with our hands. It's catching with our entire body. We have to embrace it. You know, when the ball is in the hands of any goalkeeper in the world, they're better than Cristiano Ronaldo. They're better than Messi. They're the best player on the planet because the game stops when the ball is in their hands. They are in full control. The next move is entirely dependent on them. So, you know, it's just like the save that you see that's been transported from futsal and indoor soccer to the outdoor game. They call it the star save, the K save. And I'm just not a fan of that because the indoor game, the spaces are smaller. The goal is smaller. The ball is smaller. The characteristics and the demands of of the indoor game are much different than the outdoor game. For me, that's a a last resort 
decision. And in most cases, in my opinion, you end up in those decisions for several reasons. Number one, your communication wasn't accurate and specific and early enough to prevent you from being in that situation. You know, uh, number two, reading the ball and knowing when to attack it and presenting a large barrier and being brave and being courageous to win the ball, whether it's played in the space or in the feet of the opponent. So I'm concerned, and I'm concerned about that we're losing the class, the elegancy of, of the position. I mean, you can just take a, a good athlete, put him in between the sticks, somehow, some way, they'll be able to keep the ball out of the net. But to really demonstrate the skills that are required to be a good goalkeeper, it means capturing the ball whenever possible. If you have hesitation, if you're in doubt, fine. Deflect it wide or, or punch it with distance and height and width. But I think what we're doing now, then, is every ball that's coming out towards the goalkeeper, we're automatically, our first choice is to deflect, to punch, to box, which gives up rebounds, which get, provides opponents an opportunity to take another shot. Right. So in my estimation, you know, a perfect save for me is when the goalkeeper terminates the shot. Just like a good player who's a one-touch player, a goalkeeper should be a one-touch goalkeeper whenever possible, when the ball comes into their hands. And how do you perfect catching? You know, for young goalkeepers, throw and volley the ball against the wall, catch hundreds and thousands of times a day until you strike the ball as hard as you can and you know you can hold on it. Then throw it against a tree where now you're working not only on your catching, but you're working on your reflexes as well. So we need to get back to the art of catching, in my estimation. And you think it's being, it's being neglected by some coaches? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're just becoming satisfied with keeping the ball out of the net, which is important. But let's think about doing the right way whenever possible. And once again, there is no better skill that is worthy than capturing the ball. You need to hold on to the ball. You need to control the ball. Ball needs to be an extension of your personality. I often ask young goalkeepers or even field players, what's inside this ball? And they tell me, air. And I said, no, it's much more than air. <laughs> your hopes, your dreams, and aspirations are inside this ball. Like Whatever that. your targets and goals are, that's inside their ball. We take the ball for granted, especially here in the United States. We lose a ball, what happens? We go out and buy another one. When I was a young boy and I was in Portugal, we never lost the ball because we would never get our parents to buy another one. You have to go and hunt and search for that ball. And it's got to be an extension of your personality. The best players, whether they're field players or goalkeepers, they have an incredible relationship with the ball. I never heard anyone explain a relationship with the ball like that. That is, that is fantastic. And I think that is true. You know, I know a lot of people say, oh, you, you, the ball is like a million dollars. Would you want to lose a million dollars? That's like that. You know, but for a goalkeeper to really look at it that way is great. A question I want to ask you is, for all the years you have been in goalkeeping and you've been instructing and you've been lecturing about goalkeeping, what has changed, you think, over the, say, let's go back 20 years, Dan, to the present. What do you think has changed in the approach to goalkeeper training? That's a great question. And I've never really reflected on, on a question like that. I can say for me, I'm the same person whether I'm training a youth goalkeeper or a world-class goalkeeper of any gender or any level. 
for me, it's about finding the magic in everyone that we train, bringing joy to the game. For me, it's about trying to get athletes, not just show up physically. You can see them. They are all kitted out. But I want them to show up with their brain so that they can learn and grow one word, one activity, one drill. Not only do I want them to show up physically and mentally, but I want them to show up with their heart so that they love what they're doing. They're passionate about what they're doing. And I try to make them realize that if they come to training with those three aspects, physically, mentally, and emotionally, their growth accelerates rapidly. Uh, I try to ask them and to believe that every day is the World Cup. And I'll ask them, when's the World Cup? They'll give me a date. No, it's today. It's now. When you cross that line, step on the pitch, it's everything that we can give. We're not robots. And not every day is going to be a world-class day or a World Cup day or an Olympic day. But we need to catch ourselves when we're not in that day. And our coaches and our mentors need to recognize that and try to get them back into the now. So oftentimes when I'm training, they're too obsessive about the past mistakes and they can't do anything about it except learn and grow. Or they're projecting in the future, which they can't control. They have to stay in the now. So I think the mental side of the game is something that is overlooked and we need to address that because the best goalkeepers and the most successful goalkeepers don't have to be the most physical in terms of their attributes, don't have to be the most technical, but they have to learn how to make successful decisions consistently. Hardcore goalkeeping starts within you and then moves away from you. But young goalkeepers, they want to be away from their bodies. They want to do the spectacular dive. When in the match, that save isn't called upon very often. In fact, very little. Right. We want to produce goalkeepers that are safe, that are simple, that are secure. If you're safe, simple, and secure, you'll have a brilliant career. And every now and then, if you can make a world-class save, that's great. What keeps head coaches up at night not sleeping is when you're a high-risk goalkeeper, when you're not consistent. We have to have consistency, and that's something that we need to demand from, from our goalkeepers. So in, in, in answering your question, I think it's the mental side of things that we need to focus more on and are often uh, neglected. You know, another technique that I try to teach is to create a mind video. And what I mean by that, then is reflect back. And once again, this could be executed with a field player as well as with a goalkeeper. Reflect back. What was your best pass? What was your best reception? What was your best goal? Uh, what was your best tackle? Goalkeepers, what was your best catching activity? Handling crosses, 1v1, spectacular dives, great communication. And when you think about those moments, then it has to be in intense detail, meaning that what was the weather like? What was I wearing? How did it make me feel? How did my teammates and coaches respond to that execution of that particular skill? This takes time. You've got to write these down. You have to put that image in your mind. You, you play that mind video before training. You play that mind video before the game. Now, anything that you encountered in training or in the game, guess what? you've already performed it successfully in your mind and you'll be best prepared to execute it successfully in the game. You're talking, I was saying the same thing to myself, that I think the mental side of the game, you know, because they're, they're now more involved in the tactical side of the game. Prior to early, before the back, uh, the, the back pass rule, they were just 
like blocking shots and kicking the ball along uh, with the new with a new approach to coaching, with the, with the central defenders opening wide and the, and the, and the um, fullbacks going up higher, he has to know his distribution has to be important there. Absolutely. Right? Now, you had mentioned decision-making just mm. now when you were talking about the goalkeepers. How, how a goalkeeper coach handles this. You have worked with some of the big national teams. Question to you, how do you keep the reserve goalkeeper motivated? Another great question. To the starter you don't have to keep motivated, right, right? Right. The number one goalkeeper is going to play and, you know, and, and that's why they train so hard in order to, to get on the stage and, and demonstrate their skills and, and, and help their team get a positive result. You have to give that second goalkeeper, that third goalkeeper, a bit more love, a bit more attention. You have to make sure that when you do have friendlies and you do have exhibition games that they get their time in. Because this happened to me in Portugal, uh, in South Africa with the Portuguese national team. We had our starting goalkeeper and then we had our second goalkeeper. And the second goalkeeper had an exhibition training match and didn't perform that well. And I went up to him and I asked him, you know, what's happening? What's going on? And he looked at me and he said, you know what? The number one goalkeeper has played in every qualification match. He's played in all the official uh, friendlies. Here I am playing in an inter-squad match, and if the number one goalkeeper goes down, you and uh, the staff have not prepared me to rise to the occasion when I'm called upon for my na- to defend the nets for my nation. And that was very profound for me. What a, a life lesson. What a learning lesson it was for me. And from that point on, it made me realize that I need to manage my second goalkeeper, and I need to manage my third goalkeeper and care for them and nurture them and make sure that their confidence and their self-esteem is is at a level that we can count on them. So they need to play games. They need to get into the action. And we would go in to training maybe a little bit before, stay a little bit later, more individual meetings uh, with your second and third goalkeeper so that they're engaged, they stay activated, and they know uh, that you care about them. I find it very difficult if I was a goalkeeper knowing full well that I'm going into training, having a game on Saturday, but I know full well I'm working as hard as a starting goalkeeper, but I'm not going to play. And it is what you're saying is important because you mo- it's a mind management thing right, for me, wherein you, they know they're not going to be playing, but they must bear in mind that at any moment, the goalkeeper can go down, the starting keeper can go down, and they have to be prepared mentally. How do you prepare them? And, and, and again, this, this is a non-coaching, non-goalkeeper coach question. How do you prepare them on the day, on the bench? How do you keep that goalkeeper focused? I've always had the, the philosophy is that I engage them in my warm-up with the starting goalkeeper. I think that's really important. You see, oftentimes, the goalkeeper coach is just warming up the number one uh, goalkeeper. I'm not in favor of that because right. it's happened to me where you're just training the number one goalkeeper and you know, they get a, they get an injury during the warm-up. And the number two is not around. Number three is not around, or they're walking around the pitch, or they're sitting on the bench, and they're not plugged in. They're not focused in. So what I do with my three keepers, if I have them engaged in the pregame warm-up, they're serving crosses, they're serving shots, anything that I need from them in order to prepare number one, that's how I get them engaged. So if they're ready at any moment's notice. I want to get that out to some coaches because oftentimes coaches neglect the reserve goalkeeper as if to say, well, they're, oh, they'll never come in the game today. 
All right, we have had a very good discussion. I would like for you to leave with, one, with something for the young goalkeepers that are, are listening, just starting their career. What do you say to young goalkeeper coaches in regards to their development? Well, those who aspire to be goalkeeper coaches, there's nothing uh, more important than, than education. I would encourage them to pursue their licensing programs, uh, not only for goal, specialized goalkeeping courses, but also uh, field player coaches because they need uh, to be a student of the game. I would ask them to, to begin to have a profile. In other words, why do they love the game? Why have they selected their position? What do they feel are their biggest attributes and strengths? What do they feel are their most biggest challenges? Clearly have a crystal clear plan on what their aspirations and goals are in terms of, uh, of coaching. Who are they going to be surrounded by to help nurture and guide them? And do they really love what they're doing? Are they passionate about what they're doing? Um, I've been very blessed because I'm doing, for me, and I'm not special. What makes me special is that I'm not special. I just, again, uh, had these goals and, and aspirations that I kept for myself. I believed in myself. I worked as hard as I possibly could. Got up early in the morning, went to bed at late at night, stayed humble. So those would be the suggestions that I have for those who want to become goalkeeper coaches. What a good, what a good way to end this conversation, Dan. I am absolutely certain that anyone listening to this podcast, any goalkeeper coach, even a head coach, will get something from this. It's a wonderful opportunity for me. Again, speaking to you, I reflect back on my days with Jamaican players and your beautiful country. Thank you. Good luck and stay safe. You know, we, we woke up this morning and we should all be grateful for that. I hope it was worth your time. It was worth more than my time. Dan's discussion was certainly captivating. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Please join me again next time when my guest will be Laurie McGinley, who will be discussing leadership and how to improve yourself as a coach. Thanks for listening. If you found value in the show, please share with your friends. We'd love to hear your views. So if you haven't already done so, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to visit our website at onthesideline.net, where you can access coaching sessions and more. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.